Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. We're going to talk today about the sending. Do you know what the sending is? It's a declaration. Two things. It's a declaration. No, it's not scripture, but it's taken from scripture. It's a declaration. You ready? Of whose we are, which by the way is the most important thing, and who he's created us to be and do. That's it. And so at the end of the service, because we're the gathered ones, then we become the scattered ones. When we come together, the reason why Richie Fike wrote the sending was so that we could remember whose we are and who he's created us to be and do. And so when we declare it, and we'll declare it at the end of this service, we declare it at the end of every service, we declare, God, this is who we are. Here I am, Lord. In response to your call, send me and spend me. I give you my what? I give you my all. I give you my all. It's not scripture, but it is taken from scripture. So look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, because that's where this line predominantly comes from. And you're going to have to forgive me because... I've got some new uh, neurological pathways in my brain and they're all firing right now. And I'm trying to pace myself here on the things I talk about because over the course of nine weeks, uh, I got to tell you one. So I met this guy from Castle Rock, okay? And we're walking through uh, two medicines, Glacier National Park. And I said, so uh, where are you from? He said, I'm from Castle Rock. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm from Castle Rock. I flew down to San Diego. We drove all the way up the West Coast. We're now here. And I'm thinking to myself, how does God orchestrate this? And, and he said, I've never seen a grizzly before. I said, I haven't either. And, and so someone then came up to us and said, hey, there's a grizzly over in the, in the brush. I'm like, what? I'm like, where? I want to see a grizzly, right? You go, and I ask the guy, are you pretty good at running? Because wisdom requires you to make sure you can outrun your buddy, right? Because then you're in good shape. He's going to eat both of us, okay? So, so my new friend says to me, hey, they say that there's a grizzly over in that brush. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, you know, flush him out. And he's like, I'm really good with YouTube videos and I'll make you famous. And right then, I kid you not, the grizzly came out of the brush. And I, I, like I've, I've seen lots of bears on our property, by the way. We have lots of wildlife on our farm. But when this grizzly came out of the brush, and I took a video of it, but it was after I got far away from him, I could see his teeth, like the white of his teeth. I could see his eyes. And he was just walking, he's eating. And I'm like, thank God he wasn't interested in me. But I told my buddy, I was like, I think he looks like he might be interested in you. 
And in those moments, like God has created creation for us to experience, Lord, send me and spend me. Keep me alive, Lord, so I can live for you just one more year, just one more day that I can do what you've called me to do. Look at what Isaiah says here. And I heard the voice of the Lord. Here's what he said. Whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? Who'll go for us? See, the Lord's saying this to you right now. Who do you want me to send? And you might be like me. You might be tired and you might uh, go, well, just send anybody but me. Just, you know, I'm all for it. I believe in it. Send anybody but me. Uh, But don't send me. Whom shall I send? Who shall go? Who shall go? We go, well, you know, I hope somebody does. I hope somebody does. Look at what Isaiah says. Then I said, teacher, here I am. Send me. Send me. My wife and I said goodbye to the infamous Isuzu Trooper this week. 26 years and two months. We bought a trailer, cut the face off of our garage. Natasha can attest to this. She's standing right here. She stood in the driveway. She's like, what are you doing? She's crying. This is our house. I said, this is our calling. And cut the face off of the garage so I could get the trailer in the garage so that all the equipment wouldn't freeze in the dead of winter. And we launched Vanguard Church March first weekend, 1997. That was a long time ago. And I got the privilege during my break uh, to have lunch with the one and only Dr. Cutter Dan Calloway, two PhDs, professor of Fuller Seminary, written six books, friends with Martin Sorcy, and he's the first guy I ever discipled to start this church. And it was such a delight to be in Cutter's presence He was a part in 1997 of that original 12 that started the church. And listen, if you keep showing up, God will keep showing out. It ain't about us. The power doesn't come from us, but it does flow through us. And it's beautiful to see if you keep showing up in your marriage, in your family, in your community, in your church, it's amazing how God begins to connect the dots. It's beautiful. You say, but there's so much pain. Yes, yes. But I got news for you. The pain's going to be there whether you keep showing up or not. The pain ain't going to go away because you stop showing up. You don't have to know who you are, where you are, or what you've been called to do to declare whose you are. Did you know that? You don't have to, let me say that again. You don't have to know who you are where you're going, or what you've been called to do to say, I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours. The most important thing you will do with your life is not figuring out who you are. It's not figuring out where you're going to go. It's not figuring out what you're going to do. The most important thing you'll ever do in life is figuring out whose you are. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. Send me. My life and my reason for existence is for you, Lord. 
I exist to make Jesus more famous. Do you think, do you think he needs your help, Kelly? No, no, no. It's okay. She's happy. She's excited about this point. Jesus doesn't need me. He wants me. And I said to the Lord years ago, I said, Lord, I want to be a part of a church that doesn't just need me, that actually wants me to be a part of it. I want to be a part of a church that I don't just need to be a part of. I want to be a part of a church that I want to be a part of. There's something about the coalition of the willing. Amen? There is something about the coalition of the willing. And listen to me, in every family, including my own, in every church, including this one, in every country, including this one, there is always going to be dissidents. And you are going to be tempted to focus on the darkness, to focus on everything that is wrong because you want to make a difference. Praise God. But at some point, if you keep focusing on the dissidents like me, like Elijah, your heart is going to get so hard that you're going to hide in a cave so you can serve Jesus. No, you're not. Once the enemy gets you in the cave, the longer you're in the cave, the more likely you are never to come out of it again. And we see that. We see that in our society right now. So this passage outlines the foundation of the sending. What does it look like to give our all? Number one, declare your life his. Declare your life his. You know, we got a lot of conversation about personal pronouns right now. You know why? Because we're not focused on possessive pronouns. His. We're his. And when you get that part right, everything else will take care of itself. We're his. It's the possessive pronouns, not the personal pronouns, that are what's important to a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, amen? That's pretty good stuff, all right? I've been working on this. Who possesses you? Because if he doesn't possess you, what difference does it make what personal pronoun you use to describe yourself? It's the possessive pronoun that makes all the difference in the world. We are his. Say to the Lord, here I am. Well, I don't want to act too self-important. No, 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 no. Follow scripture. Scripture is given so we can emulate it. So if you see it in scripture, and God approves of it, by the way, <laughs> don't follow the things that Satan says that's in the Bible. If God approves of it, practice it. Here I am. Here I am. And see, on my nine-week sabbatical, both Tasha and I both, independently of one another, have to say to the Lord, here I am. Send me again. 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 I don't want to assume that where I live, what I do, and who God's called me to be and do 
is a given. I don't want to assume any of that. I want to come back and I want the Lord to call me again and again, as he did Isaiah in this passage. Say to the Lord, here I am. You go, okay, but I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> where, okay, say it this way. Wherever here is, here I am. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm at. In your response to your call, say, I don't know what the call is. Whatever that is, send me. I don't know where we're going. I said to the Lord, what are you up to? He said, just follow me. I'm going to show you. I'm always up to something. Yeah, but could you tell me so I can? No. No, I don't want you to know. I want you to follow. I want you to follow me and I want you to watch what I'm going to do because you finally have gotten to a place to where you understand that it ain't about you. So watch me do it through you so that you can take pleasure in the fact that I take pleasure in doing this through you. Huh. Okay. See, when you're ministering to everybody else, you lose sight of the opportunity to hear what God's trying to just say to you. Because when you're ministering to everybody else, you go, okay, Lord, I'll tell them you said that. But you know, and Tasha said to me, you're going to have to go back to work because you're going to need to have somebody else to preach to besides me. <laughs> I mean, listen, you bottle up a preacher for nine weeks and that is not a good thing. I mean, it's just like, it's got to come out somehow. Send me, spend me. This is the ultimate statement to the Lord. I give up complete, listen to this, I give up complete control of whose I am, what I am, who I'm created to be, and where I'm created to go. I give it all up. When I say I'm yours, when I use the possessive pronoun his, yours, I am saying, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. Most of us are afraid to get to this place because it fights against our loyalty and our discipline. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to tell you something that I discover when I take a break. My loyalty and my disciplines when I get tired, become means of selfish control. It's my way, strangely enough, of feeling like I have some measure of control. And what's beautiful about rest is that you are forced to recognize you ain't really that important. You're not that important. And you go, well, is that a good thing? Oh, yeah. Because then you have a freedom in you. You have a peace in you. You have a joy in you. You have a hope in you. You ready? That's not dependent upon you. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. I give it all to you, Lord. Remember the song, Chris Tomlin's song? Take my life, Lord, let it be. Consecrated all to thee. Can you say that? 
Look at this next phrase. Send me and spend me. You go, I can't say that because it's send me and I've been spent me. Okay. What's interesting to me is I find how people burn out in ministry and then need to blame somebody else for it. The only one that knows how you're doing is you. You got to speak up. You got to shoot straight. The spending part is the hardest part. In about a month, uh, I have a book coming out called Good Pastor on September 15th. And thank you. It's been a five-year endeavor in the five hardest years of my ministry. We'll do, we'll do a book signing on September 26th. And as we go through this process, I'm super encouraged. Uh, Cutter's a part of the, of the uh, endorsements of the book, and it's so cool to be a part of that with him. Three of the seminaries, Denver Seminary, Dallas Seminary, and Fuller Seminary have endorsed the book, and, and I'm very proud of it. You say, is, are we allowed to be? Yes. You're allowed to be proud of the things that you do for the Lord. You're not allowed to be prideful about it but you are allowed to be proud of it. And you're allowed to step back and say, thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, God. Thank you. It's okay, moms and dads, to look at your kids uh, like I looked at my son this summer and go, wow, he's an impressive young man. Wow, I'm so glad. And I can say as a dad, I want to be the kind of man that my son is. I want to be the kind of man that my son is. Send me and spend me, Lord. Look at 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial. But Pastor John, I'm always surprised by the fiery trial. I'm always caught off guard by it. When it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? But here's the verse I want you to see. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. John Ellsbury, you've quoted that verse to me five billion times. What does it mean to entrust your soul to a faithful creator while doing good? Principle number two, how do we give God our all? Trust him with the cost. You say, what do you mean? I'll I'll put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Do you know what the hardest thing is about coming back after 25 years of pastoring? What it's going to cost me to come back. And at some point, you have to trust God with the cost if you're going to come back. 
If you're going to keep engaging and not be a spectator and sit on the sidelines of the grandstand of faith, you're going to have to trust him with the cost. And so you say to the Lord, I trust you with who you've created me to be, where you've called me to go, and what you've called me to do. I'll continue to do good for Jesus. So here's my question. Are you continuing to do good for Jesus? At some point, you have to take your eyes off of what matters to you. Do you know what that is? Have you figured that out yet? Have you figured out what matters to your flesh? I highly recommend you do it. Is it money? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it success? Is it security? What is it for you? Have you figured out what your flesh wants you to focus on in your life? And then once you figure that out, say to the Lord, here you go, Lord. Here you go, Lord. Here you go, Lord. Look at this final phrase. I give you my what? I give you just about everything but a couple of things. That's our declaration, isn't it? Send me and spin me. I give you my just about everything except these four things. Please don't touch those. I give you my everything but my ego. I give you everything but my pride. I give you everything but my marriage. I give you everything but you fill in the blank. What is the but for you? Do you know what it looks like to continue to give God your all? It's real simple. Principle number three. Trust your all is enough for Jesus. You go, what is my all? I don't know. He'll let you know. But some of us, like Schindler, you know, after you do all you can do, you wish you would have done more. Listen, at some point you have to pull up off that and say, God wants me to know that my all is enough. You say, what if I keep believing that my all isn't enough? Then you will, as my professor said, you want to be great for God? Yeah. Don't quit. Don't fornicate. You'll be the only one left. You'll be great. What? See, if you keep thinking your all is not enough, eventually you will quit. You will fornicate. You will do something. You will self-destruct. Let me give you an example in your marriage. Are you giving it your all? Yes. Does your spouse know that? No. Well, then why don't you tell them? You say, how come? So they'll pull up off at you. Because inside, you're going to go somewhere you may never come back from. Because you believe you're sincerely giving your all and they think you're not. And that's going to create a chasm in your marriage. 
And then somebody's going to come along and look at you the way she hasn't or he hasn't looked at you in years. And then you're going to go somewhere you never thought you would go. Do you think all these pastors that are falling right now, do you think they thought to themselves, I'm going to build a ministry and then find a spouse or find someone I can have an affair with because that'll be fun. No one ever plans, if they, if they do, they're a terrible person. No one ever plans to, to sabotage their own marriage. That's silly. That's silly. Galatians 6, 9. How do you know if you're trusting God? Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we don't what? If we don't give up. So how do I give God my all? How do you give God your all? Principle number four. Keep showing up for Jesus. Keep showing up for Jesus. There is no substitute for ministry of presence. Maybe you're discouraged. I've started reading this little controversial devotional book called Jesus Calling by a woman. Oh, my goodness. I always said in seminary, I was like, wait, I don't understand. The women can't preach to us, but my Hebrew professor is a woman. Could someone please explain to me how a woman's qualified to teach me Hebrew, but she can't teach me the scriptures? By the way, the Bible was not written in English. Wait with me for a while. This is Jesus talking. I got much to tell you. You're walking along the path I've chosen for you. It's both a privilege and a perilous way. Experiencing my glorious presence and heralding that reality to others. Sometimes you feel presumptuous to be carrying out such an assignment. Don't worry about what other people think of you. The work I'm doing in you is hidden at first, but eventually blossoms will burst forth. And abundant fruit will be born. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. Keep showing up. Stay on the path of life with me. Trust me wholeheartedly. Letting my spirit fill you with joy and peace. There's a lot in this life that I love. And this is not to say that we don't have pain in our family. Tasha and I have plenty of pain in our family. We are not perfect. But I love our family. I enjoy my kids. I enjoy their spouses. And God has let me live long enough, longer than you let my mama live. God has let me live long enough that I've got to see the fruit of that. I feel the same way about this church. I've gotten to pastor long enough that I get to now lead a guy like Micah Schwartz 
who is one part Bob, one part Laura. I get to see the fruit that is now bursting forth and blossoming from a ministry of faithfulness. Not perfection, faithfulness. That's what this is all about. Here I am, Lord. Send me and spend me. I give you my all. It's all yours anyway. It's all yours anyway. The beauty is in the mundane. As Pastor Aaron talked to us about last week. And if you can find the beauty in the mundane, you'll experience the miracles and the moments that God has for you. Close with this. Got a lot of rapid fire in here. I decided to sell some of my cows because hay is so expensive right now. And so I put on Craigslist this little ad, hey, you got some cows for sale. This guy emailed me back. Hey, why don't you call me? So I called him. He's like, and I don't know why. He's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a pastor. He's like, really? I was like, yes, it's the truth. He said, where do you pastor? I said, Vanguard Church. He said, oh. I said, why? He said, because that is a long-standing, well-respected church in our city. Amen. I was like, it is. I was just shocked as, as maybe you are. He bought four cows. He started his herd out in Calhan. Turns out that he's friends with my good friend, Bob Bender, who just retired from 55 years of faithful pastoring. Isn't that awesome? And I have the privilege of saying I'm the only guy that ever knocked Bob out on the basketball court. Listen, don't give up. You don't know who you are. Don't know where you're going. Don't know what you're doing. Doesn't matter. Just remember whose you are. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.